If you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me to 2 Timothy 3, please. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and then we're going to turn to Psalm 34 and verse 8. Father, we thank you tonight that you are Lord of all. We thank you tonight, Lord Jesus, that you are our soon and coming King, Lord, and we pray tonight, O oh God, that, Lord, if there be anybody in this room tonight, Lord, and they're not ready to meet you, Lord, we pray tonight with all the love in our hearts, Lord, we pray, Lord, that they would come tonight, Lord, that they would come and taste of your goodness, Lord, that they would come, Lord, and bow the knee, Lord, that they would come, Lord, and have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, Lord. Lord, would you undertake tonight, Lord, touch these lips, Lord. Lord, hide me far behind the cross, O God. Lord, let your word go forth, Lord, in great power and in great might, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Second Timothy, and we're going to read the first 13 verses. Second Timothy chapter 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, laid away with diverse lusts ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Johnnies and Jamborees withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as their fathers also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, Patience, persecutions, afflictions which came on to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Deceiving. Deceiving and being deceived. And if you want to turn to Psalm 34, please. There's only one verse. And that's verse 8. Oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Friends, would you agree with me tonight that we live in a very, very wicked society, that we live in 
very wicked days. Would you agree with me tonight? You know, it seems that there's hardly a day that goes by that you don't hear of some atrocity or some violent actions being committed by being committed by man upon his fellow man. It seems as as though every time you turn on your radio or, or turn on your TV or, or, or you go onto your internet, you're being bombarded by pictures and sounds of some madman or some mad woman or some radical group somewhere in this world committing some of the most horrendous things on their fellow human beings. You know, just look at a couple of weeks ago in America, 30-odd people slaughtered. Slaughtered in one day, 20 odd in Texas, and I think another 10 or 11 in, 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 in Daytona, Ohio. Shot down. Friends, shot down by a young person. For no reason whatsoever. They just go into a school or go into a mall or, or somewhere like that, and they just shoot as many people. As they possibly can. No rhyme or reason to it. Friends, it's wicked. Friends, it's evil. Do you know that in the that in the first eight months of this year, 2018, 2019, that in the first eight months of this year, that there's been 255 mass shootings in America? Did you know that? And 22 of them have been on school property. There's been more mass shootings in the USA than there's been days of this year. It's happening on a regular occurrence. But a lot of it doesn't make the news. The only reason why these two made the news is because the both of them happened on the same day. Friends, you know that in England and Wales there has been over a hundred people stabbed to death. Stabbed to death this year so far. 84 of them have been in London. A hundred young men and women plummeted into hell. But these and other horrible things which I could go into, friends, but it'll take me too long, are happening daily all over our world. You know, just today there were 63 people slaughtered in Afghanistan. Today, this very day, in a bomb attack on a, on a marriage sermon, on a marriage ceremony in Afghanistan, slaughtered. Friends, hear me, there's something happening in this world. There's something happening in our world. The restraint is being lifted. And that tide of evil is on the rise. You know, I do believe, friends, with all my heart, I do believe that we're, that we're walking in the last days. Would you agree with me? We're walking in the last days. I mean, I can bring this a wee bit closer to home if you want. You know that bonfire a week or two ago in the New Lodge? There was that violent attack on the police. And then because they couldn't 
the police withdrew. And then because they couldn't attack the police, then what did they do? They started attacking each other. Friends, I saw clips of it on YouTube or something like that. But I'm going to tell you, it was horrible. It was horrible as to what they were doing to each other. Man inflicting pain and hurt upon his fellow man. And, and you know, there seems to be no limit. No limit as to, as to what one man can do to another man. Once they get the taste. Once they get the taste for blood. Then hey. All morality goes out the window. I'm telling you, I've been there. I've experienced it. Friends, I've done it. But all morality goes out the window. A wickedness and an evil seems to spew from their hearts. You know, the Bible is so right when it says, the heart of man is deceitful. This is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Friends, who can know it? He can know it. He knows it. But you know, I don't know about you, but in these last 20, 30, 40 years, there seems to be a tremendous rise of evil and wickedness in our world. Maybe... Maybe it's because of the internet. Maybe it's because of the media and it's just been 24 hours. I don't know. But has it not seemed like that? In the last 20 or 30 or 40 years, the rise, there's been a tremendous rise of evil and wickedness. All moral restraint seems to have been thrown out the window. We live in an anything goes society where once there was laws and boundaries where, where most people most people cap to now the walls of respect, the walls of respect of fear and of godliness, they're broken down. They're broken down. There, there's no fear of authority. There's no fear of the police. There's no fear in the school. They don't even fear their own parents. There's no fear of God and no respect of God or the things of God. In fact, God seems to be pushed out of society today. You know, for most people, God seems irrelevant. Yeah. He seems irrelevant. What's the point in God? What's the use for God? What has God even done for me? Friends, little do they know. And maybe that's a shame on the, the Christian church, but little do they know what God has really done for them. And friends, you might think that I'm maybe exaggerating this tonight or over-egging it. But friends, I'm seeing and hearing this every day. Every day. More and more in, the, in this society in which we live in. Right from the top of our government. Right down to the ordinary Joe in the street. God is being pushed out. God is being pushed out of every strata of society. You know, the, that humanistic mindset, that humanistic mindset, mindset is running rampant, friends. It's running rampant all over this world. But little do they know it's causing chaos. It's causing chaos and destruction. You know, that human, humanist mindset 
is a world without God. It's a world without God. A philosophy centered on humankind and not centered on the maker. On the maker of humankind. Friends, please stay with me. I'm going somewhere with this. Believe me, I am going somewhere with this. You know, that word humanism means worship and deification of humanity. Put it simply, it's the worship of self. It's the worship of self. Man doesn't need God. Man can set his own limits. Man can set his own boundaries. If it feels good, then do it. The thinking is man doesn't need to live by a set of commandments that was written in a book some eight or 10,000 years ago. Man is his own God. And he can set his own limits. And he can set his own boundaries. But you know something, friends? One man's food is another man's poison. Live and let live, they say. It sounds a beautiful utopia, doesn't it? But far from it. But far from it. That's partly the reason. That's partly the reason why the human race is in the mess that it's in today. You know, as I've said, in this liberal, humanistic world that we're living in, God is being pushed out. He's being pushed pushed out of every strata of society. And when God is pushed out, then there's only one way to go, and that's down. That's down into that slimy pit of sin and destruction. And friends, if God is not being pushed out, then he's being blamed. He's being blamed for the mess that we're in. And you know, for the church, the church for the most part has lost any influence on society that it once had. In fact, it seems to become a laughing stock. A laughing stock. You know, there was a movement in England some years ago, and they called themselves the God is Dead movement. And they believed that God had died. Or that he just wasn't there. And that he was no more relevant to society. Or had any more influence on society. You know they even printed it. On the sides of those London buses. God is dead. Do you know friends. I think that is the thinking more and more. In the society in which we live in today. You know I read a quote the other day that said. Western Europe, we live, Northern Ireland, we live in Western Europe. We're part of Western Europe. But that Western Europe is one of the few places in the world where the belief God is dead still exists today. And I know if you look with that natural mind at all, what is going on and all what is taking place in our world today. The violence, the hatred, the anger, the pain, the hurt, the laws that they're bringing in on abortion, the gay rights, the gay marriage, and a ton of other immoral stuff that you would maybe tend to have that thought. Is God dead? Is is he he dead? Is he not there? Is he not there? 
You know, that reminds me of a story that I, that I heard a while ago of Yuri Gagarin. Who's all heard of Yuri Gagarin? Some of the older ones might have heard of him. But Yuri Gagarin was a Russian cosmonaut. He was an astronaut. And on the 12th of April, 1961, he was the first man ever to fly into space. And it says that whenever he got out of the Earth orbit and out of the Earth's atmosphere and, and, and was traveling in space, it says that he looked around the cosmos that was before him. And he said these words. I didn't see God. Or another version that he supposedly said. That I went up into space. And I did not encounter God. But then I read. But then when I read. and, and When I read that I thought about something I had watched on the TV a few weeks ago. And it was on the 50th anniversary of, of Neil Armstrong and, and Buzz Aldrin going up into space. And they were the first men to walk on the moon. That was in 1969. But a year before that, in 1968, Apollo 8, Apollo 8 became the first manned spacecraft to leave Earth's orbit and to reach the moon's orbit and return back to earth safely. There were three men in that flight. Frank Borman, James Lovell. I don't know if he's related to you, Andy, is he? <laughs> he could be somewhere down the line. James Lovell and William Anders. And when they get out of Earth's orbit, when they get out of the Earth's atmosphere, and into the blackness and darkness of space. It says that they looked into the darkness of the cosmos and they saw a light. They saw a bright light way, way far. You can go onto YouTube and see this and you can hear this because that's where I got it from. But they saw a bright light Shining in that middle, in the middle of that darkness and blackness. And that light turned out to be the earth, our earth, hanging in the blackness of space. Now it was Christmas Eve. It was Christmas Eve and those men went up there. And they were to send a special message, a special Christmas message back to the people on earth. Apparently, a billion people, friends. This is recorded. Apparently, a billion people listened in to this message in which these three men sent back to earth. Does anybody know what the message was? Now, remembering what Yuri Gagarin, Yuri Gagarin had said, I didn't see God. And remembering that these three men saw the earth on its light, away in the blackness of space, the earth hanging all by itself in the blackness of space. These three men saw this. What do you think their message was? 
Well, William Anders began. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form or void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Jim Lovell then took over continuing. And he says, and God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. Finally, Commander Frank Borman took over and he read, and God said, <laughs> and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together under one place and let the dry land appear. And so it was. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called he sees. And God saw that it was good. And with the reading of the first 10 verses of chapter 1, of Genesis chapter 1, the message ended. Yuri Gagarin went into space and said that he saw nothing. The crew of Apollo 8 went into space and saw the magnificent handiwork of our great God. And how great and how marvelous it was. But you know, even way back then in 1968, 51 years ago, some people were not happy. Some people were not happy with what the astronauts read. A petition was gathered up of 28,000 signatures demanding that these astronauts or any other government employee be prohibited from citing Scripture while on duty, they brought a lawsuit. They brought a lawsuit against NASA and against these three astronauts. But you know, in response, Americans sent two and a half million people in America sent letters of petition and letters of support of the Apollo 8 astronauts. And the lawsuit was ultimately dismissed by the Supreme Court. Friends, why am I telling you all this tonight? Why am I giving you all this information tonight? Well, let me tell you. In the beginning was God. In the end is God. And in the middle, and in the middle, because that's where we are, in the middle is God. For he is above all, and in all, and through all. And he holds the very nations of the world in the palm of his hands. Friends, let me tell you tonight, wickedness may be waxing worse and worse, but God is still good. God is still good. Hatred for fellow man may be at its height, but God 
Our God is a God of love. Many, you know, man may let you down. But friends, hear me, God remains faithful. God remains faithful. It may seem all hope is gone. But friends, the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord. For he is our hope. He is our hope in this world. You know, the foundations of the world may be crumbling. It looks as if they're crumbling all around us. But friends, tonight we stand on the solid rock. We stand upon the solid rock, and that rock is Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hatred and strife may be abounding, but our God is still on the throne. The love of many may be waxing cold, but God's love endures forever. The name of God may be being cursed and hated, but friends, His mercy, His mercy, His mercy still goes out to every man, woman, boy, and girl. Friends, the plea. The plea that I'm making to you tonight in this hall is, amidst all the chaos and all the turbulence in this world, amidst all the hard speeches, amidst all the angry words that are being said about our God, friends, the plea is, I'm inviting you in this hall tonight. I'm inviting you in this hall tonight to taste and see to taste and see that the Lord is good for blessed is the man that trusteth in him you know many in this hall can tell you of the goodness and faithfulness of the Lord in their lives you know at times they thought that they wouldn't make it the times they thought the trial was too hard but friend hear me tonight God led them through God brought them through you know friends we have tasted those of us who are saved and born again, we have tasted of his bounty. We have tasted of his goodness. You know, I can personally say in my life that I have tasted of him. I have tasted of him and found him to be good. You know, many a time I thought that I couldn't go on. Many a time I wanted to give up, but friends, he brought me through and he brought me out. You know, he is a good, good father. He is a good, good father. In Exodus 18 and 9, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, he rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. In 1 Kings 8 and 66, the people went under their tents, joyful and glad of heart for all the goodness that the Lord had done for David, his servant, and for Israel, his people. In Psalm 27 and 13, the psalmist says, I had fainted. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in what? In the land of the living. And in Psalm 31 and 19, the psalmist says, Oh, how great is thy goodness which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Friends, it's the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. You know, he can wipe you out in a second. He can wipe you out in a second. But friends, it's his goodness. It's his goodness. It's his mercy. It's his love that leads a man to repentance. You know, our God is so good. He's so good. He's so good that he gave his only begotten son to die on a cruel cross on Calvary 
For who? For you and for me. In fact, for all of mankind. You know, he gave the darling of his bosom. He gave his own flesh and blood so that you and I may have eternal life. You know, Muhammad didn't do that. Buddha didn't do that. Hare Krishna didn't. They couldn't do that. They were just flesh and blood. They were just like you and me. They're dead and now rotten in the grave. But our God is alive forevermore. Friends, our God is alive. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and He is the end. You know, there's no shadow of turning with Him. He knows all things and He sees all things. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's immutable. He's holy. He's righteous. He's sovereign. He's love, friends, and He's merciful. He's merciful. Friends, he is the great I am. He was there before time was, and he'll be there when time finishes. You know, the astronauts got it right. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. You know, friends, there was nothing there before him. He was always there, and he contains everything within himself. And and I know that's maybe hard for our puny minds to understand this, but everything that's off this earth, And even the earth itself and everything that's outside of the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies, even the very universe itself are all contained within him. He is a self-existent being who is the first cause of all that is. You know, never was there a moment when God did not exist. As Moses affirms in Psalm 90 and 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. In other words, friends, God existed eternally and infinitely before creating the finite universe. He is above, independent of, and prior to all that has been created in heaven and in earth. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities and powers. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. You know, I like what Matthew Henry says. He says, an eternal God, whose existence has neither its commencement nor its period with time, nor is measured by the successions and the revolutions of it, but who art the same yesterday, today, and forever, without beginning of days or end of life, or change of time. Friends, that's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve. And this great God, friends, this great God, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient on the death, even the death of a cross. Why? Why did he humble himself? Why did he die? Well, friend, it was for you and it was for me. It was for me. For he would have none to perish, but that all would have everlasting life. Friends, That's the very heart of this great God. It's a heart of love. It's a heart of goodness. It's a heart of mercy. It's a heart of forgiveness. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might 
be saved. You know, most people can quote John 3 and 16, but there's not too many that can quote John 3 and 17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You know, some would say that God is a hard God. Some would say that he's cold. Some would say that he's harsh and indifferent to those that are suffering and in need. But friends, my Bible says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. And you know what that word condemn means? It means to denounce. It means to reproach, to upbraid, to rebuke, to reprehend. And it means to punish. God didn't send his son to punish this world. No, friends, absolutely not. But he sent him to save this world, to save those in whom he has created. Oh, friends, I'll say it again. Our God, our God is a good, good God. But the psalmist makes us plea. He makes us plea in Psalm 30, 30, 34 and 8. He says, oh, taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. And you know, friends, that's an address. That's an address to others, to others. Founded on the experience of the psalmist. And the psalmist is King David. And he had found protection from the Lord. He had found mercy from the Lord. And he had had evidence of God's goodness in his life. And now he asks others. Now he asks others that they would come and taste of the goodness of this great God that he served. Oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Friend, I and many others in this hall tonight are living proof. We are living proof that we have tasted that we have tasted of the Lord and found him to be good. You know, I have tasted of his goodness in my life. You know, you were here in January 2018. You all lived through the miracle that the Lord did in and through my life. You know, I shouldn't be here tonight. Medically speaking, I should not be here tonight. I should not be alive. But the Lord in his goodness, friends, Praise God. The Lord in his goodness and mercy reached down from heaven with an outstretched arm and he touched me. He touched me and he healed me completely of cancer. Friends, the maker of the universe has preserved my life. Truly he has been good to me. When I think of all that he's done for me. Who am I? I was a guilty one. The guilty one. Friend, can you wonder? Can you wonder why it is? I love him so. Do you love him tonight? Do you love him? You know, I stand in complete amazement and awe. But you know, friend, tonight, what he's done for me, what he's done for many in this hall tonight, he longs to do for you. Do you hear me? He longs to do for you. Unsaved person in this room tonight. Backslider in here tonight. 
Can you hear him calling? Can you hear him calling? Can you hear that still small voice? Oh sinner, oh sinner, come home. Something deep down in your soul is crying out. You know that all that I have said is true. You know it's true. The invitation says, oh, taste. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, friends, I stand before you tonight. And the reality is that you cannot deny God. You cannot deny God. Because I and many others in this room tonight are living proof that he's alive, that he's good, that he's a healer, that he's merciful, that he's gracious, and that he's faithful. Friend, I guarantee you, I guarantee you tonight that if you taste of him, he will be good to you. Young person here tonight, if you taste of that world out there, I will guarantee you that it'll leave a better taste. It will leave a better taste. Not only in your mouth, but in your heart. I know, friend, because I'm speaking from experience. I have tasted of this world, but you know all it brought was pain. Timothy, is that not right? David, is that not right? Hassan, is that not right? Many in this hall have tasted of this world. But you know all it brought was pain. It brought bitterness. And it brought agony. But unless the blood is applied to your life, that bitter taste will not go away. That bitter taste will not go away. You know, when that devil tempted Adam and Eve, our first parents, it says in Genesis 3 and 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, plucked it off the tree. She took of the tree, the, the fruit thereof, and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. The tree looked good. And the fruit on the tree looked pleasant to the eyes. It was beautiful in color and very inviting to the taste. What possibly could hurt them? What possibly could hurt them? But oh dear friends, hear me. When there's a thought to be no more harm in forbidden fruit than in any other fruit, then sin lies at the door and Satan carries the day. And once they bit into that fruit and tasted 
of that fruit. Then the bitterness of sin entered in and man has been dealing with it ever since. Friend, I'll tell you tonight, that world out there may seem sweet. It may seem sweet for a while, but in the fullness of time, it'll make you bitter in your soul. It'll make you bitter in your soul. The invitation is to come, to come and taste, to come and taste that the Lord is good. You know, that's a free invitation. A free invitation to come and to taste and to see. You know, there's not too many things in this world that are free. But this is free. This is free. The price has already been paid to taste of this heavenly food. It's free to all. It's free to all. And friend, I'll guarantee when you taste of him, when you taste of Christ, then I'll tell you nothing else will ever compare to him. He's sweeter. He's sweeter than honey from out of the honeycomb. You know, I wonder who was stand tonight. David, Jeff, Jonathan, could we stand tonight? But you know, I give this invitation tonight. Do you in this room, in this hall here, not saved? Do you who are walking afar off from God? I give an invitation for you to come. To come. To come and to taste. To come and to taste of Him. To come and to receive of his bounty. Friend, that world has nothing to offer. It's got absolutely nothing to offer. But the invitation is, is to come and to taste and to see that the Lord is good. I wonder could we bow our heads and close our eyes tonight? And if that's you tonight and you've never tasted of this great God, you've never experienced Him, you've never experienced the goodness of God in your life, then friend, even with an upraised hand, raising your hand is not going to save you, but it'll give us an indication that you want to come, you want to talk with us, you want to know more about this great Christ. Is there someone here tonight? Or maybe you have tasted. But you're walking afar off from him. Would you not come back? He waits patiently in love. He's waiting for you just like the father to the prodigal. He's waiting for you. Will you not come and taste of his bounty tonight? 
Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you that you're a merciful God. We thank you tonight, Lord, that you would have none to perish, Lord, but that all would have everlasting life, Lord. And Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, as my voice goes silent, Lord, I pray tonight that you would speak, Lord, into those hidden recesses of the hearts, Lord. Lord, that someone would cry out. That someone, Lord God, would just cry out for their need of a Savior, Lord. That someone, oh God, would bow the knee tonight, oh God. That someone would come and taste, Lord. To come and taste and see that you are good, oh God. Oh, Father, tonight we pray. Lord, would you have your way tonight, Lord. Lord, I I can't even create an anxious thought, Lord. But Lord, I'm depending on your Holy Spirit to convict and to save, Lord. Lord, I've poured my heart out, Lord, of what you've given me to say, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would do the rest, Lord, that you would do the work that needs to be done in hearts and lives, Lord. Lord, we give you glory and we give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.